dollar can be extremely difficult to access in most countries. Dollar is a complete pain to handle, whether you're in the US or in any other country in the world. Dollar accounts are no fun. Bitcoin just really makes it so much easier to move value across the world. Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. Hello again. Thanks for tuning in to Bitcoin and Co., my podcast from Austria. Especially for my listeners in the US, I want to say I'm thinking of you. My thoughts go out to you. Please stay safe. In today's episode, I talk with Chris Maurice, the CEO and founder of Yellowcard Financial, a Nigeria-based Bitcoin and crypto exchange. Chris has started his entrepreneurial endeavors as a SEO consultant at the age of 16. After that, he sold Bitcoin on eBay and in the back rooms of Taco Bell restaurants. Chris tells us how he came up with founding an exchange and why he did that in Africa. If you have a question about the podcast or Bitcoin, feel free to visit the episode page at anita.link forward slash 61, where you will find an audio recorder to record your question, as well as a full transcript of a talk. To stay in the loop and not miss an episode, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast player now. You can also subscribe to my newsletter at anita.link forward slash subscribe. Local Bitcoins is one of the most trusted and the largest peer-to-peer -peer trading platforms in the world. On Local Bitcoins, you can buy and sell your Bitcoins in an easy, fast and secure way, always protected by escrow. Unlike stock-like exchanges, Local Bitcoins allows you to trade with people like you and you can choose any currency you prefer and find a safe payment method to complete your trade. Local Bitcoins also offers a web wallet, so you can trade and deposit and send out your Bitcoin all in one account. Go to www.localbitcoins.com to buy and sell Bitcoin. Not your keys, not your coins is one of the basic rules in Bitcoin. Therefore, I definitely recommend using a hardware wallet, which is what most professional crypto experts use. For those who have difficulties with the technical requirements and constant maintenance of hardware wallets, there is the card wallet. The card wallet is a very simple and secure solution for long-term storage of Bitcoin and Ethereum. No software updates needed, it's 100% offline and it leaves no traces on the blockchain. You can give it away as a gift or inheritance. You can send Bitcoin to it and all you have to do is to store it in a safe place. The manufacturers are the Austrian State Printing House and Coinfinity, Austria's first Bitcoin broker founded in 2014. Order your card wallet at cardwallet.com slash Anita and get 20% off. If you're interested in more Bitcoin-related podcasts, then check out the Let's Talk Bitcoin network at letstalkbitcoin.com, where you can find a number of other highly relevant Bitcoin podcasts today. Hello, everybody. Today's guest is Chris Maurice. He's the founder and CEO of Yellowcard, a Nigeria-based Bitcoin exchange. Hello, Chris. 
Hey, Anita, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for your time to do this interview. Can you please start with a short introduction uh, to what Yellow Card is doing for our listeners? And then we dive into more about you and about Yellow Card later on. Sure, yeah. So Yellow Card, uh, essentially what we do with Yellow Card is we enable anyone to buy and sell cryptocurrency very easily over the counter in Africa. And uh, right now, like you said, we have our main operations in Nigeria, and then we're also active in South Africa, Botswana, and Zimbabwe. And uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, the goal is to make this technology accessible to anybody across the continent, whether they need to buy it, whether they need to sell it, uh, whatever they need to do to on and off ramp from their local currency. Okay, understand. So in which countries are you already operating and how many people are you serving an estimate? Yeah, so right now we, we operate actively in Nigeria, which is our, our certainly our main operations. And then we have operations getting started in South Africa, Botswana and Zimbabwe as well. Okay, we got to talk about the Zimbabwe and Botswana thing afterwards because I've been there in February and that's very interesting. So please, what did you do before before you founded Yellow Card? Yeah, so I, I, I am a uh, Southern boy, uh, U.S. Southern boy. So <laughs> I grew up in, uh, in uh, New, Orleans, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, one of uh, the best cities in the world, if you've never been, highly recommended. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, before, before starting Yellow Card, uh, you know, my entire worldview was pretty much shaped by the city of New Orleans, right? And, uh, you know, fortunately, I grew up in a very diverse city, a very, you know, cultural city. But I had actually, I had been on a plane about four times before starting this company. So I had not had not traveled much at all yet. Somehow in college, uh, while I was in college in Auburn, Alabama, I ended up working with working with a friend and running a network of factories in Pakistan. And so you were running a network of factories in Pakistan out of the USA. Yes, yeah. So so I had I had a good friend who was was helping from from that side. So he was originally from Pakistan, moved to New York moved back to take care of things there. And uh, yeah, we were doing clothing, shoes, and then just general logistics of, you know, getting product in and around Pakistan. And, uh, you know, that, that gave me really my first, uh, my first experience and my first foray into international business. And it also accidentally got me interested and involved in foreign exchange, just because, you know, the Pakistani rupee is not exactly the strongest currency in the world. And just having to deal with that for our normal business operations started me originally looking at more, you know, Forex markets and uh, currency exchange. And uh, what did you do afterwards? I read something you worked for Taco Bell. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so basically, you know, after, well, while I was running this, I was, I was still in school and, you know, in, in 20, in 2013, my now co-founder, Justin taught me about Bitcoin, right. And uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin made a lot of sense to me immediately because of, like I said, because, uh, you know, the, 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 the Pakistani rupee is not the strongest currency in the world. You know, Bitcoin solves a lot of the problems that we were facing there with moving money in the country, moving money out of the country, moving money around the country. And so, you know, definitely from from the beginning had uh, a lot of interest in 
crypto. But you know, I was not I was not about to switch my entire company over to magic internet money. <laughs> so you know, I had to I had to learn a little bit more, right? And so for the next about year and a half, you know, I was just reading about it. I was I was reading articles. I was reading uh, you know the white paper and uh, you know more information and everything just to just to try to understand this technology and this space better. And yeah, what what ended up happening is in 2015, after you know getting a really good idea of the space and you know what what all of that what all of that looks like, I saw Bitcoin being sold on eBay for a 200% markup. So Bitcoin at the time was about $100, and people were selling it on eBay for 300. And so I, I sent the link over to Justin, and I said, uh, you know, hey man, we're two relatively smart individuals. We can figure this out. And uh, so we started selling Bitcoin on eBay and uh, that, uh, that first week we did over $40,000 in sales at a, at a 200% wow. markup. And so, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm seeing stars at this point, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm about ready to drop out of college and, you know, just sell Bitcoin on eBay for the rest of my life. And that was, that was when I learned what a credit card chargeback is. <laughs> so, because people wanted chargebacks. Yeah, exactly. So what was uh, what was actually happening is people were stealing credit cards online and then they were using those stolen credit cards to buy Bitcoin from us. And so what happens is when you send the Bitcoin, Bitcoin, of course, is irreversible. Credit cards are not. And so what happens is, is we send the Bitcoin and then the bank pulls back the money. So we actually lose out on both sides of the transaction. Mm -hmm. It was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was rough. It was rough, right? Yeah. I mean, after, after that fiasco, you know, for, for whatever reason, we had already fallen in love with this technology. We had already fallen in love with the crypto space. And so what, what we decided to do was to continue to evangelize and to continue to you know spread the good word of Bitcoin and this technology. And the way that we decided to do that was by accepting the only irreversible payment method known to man, which is cold, hard cash. And so we posted ads on Craigslist and other ad platforms. And basically these ads said, hey, we have Bitcoin. Come meet up with us and give us cash and we'll give you the Bitcoin. And so, you know, we, we go to sleep and we wake up the next day and people have started responding to this ad. And so, uh, yeah, basically we did the only thing that two reasonable college students in our position would do, which is every Wednesday at 7 p.m., you could come to the Taco Bell on Gay Street in Auburn, Alabama. You could find Justin and I in the back corner table eating our Doritos Locos Taco 12 pack. And you could come up to us, slap a couple hundred dollars cash on the table, and we would scan your QR code and give you Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> so the local, the local Bitcoin dealers in the back room. Exactly, exactly. And and you know, if anybody if anybody is familiar with Taco Bell, I don't know. Have you have you ever been to a Taco Bell? Yeah, I think in the US, I definitely have been to a Taco Bell haven't you're not missing out on much but I, I shouldn't say that I my, my my dream is to have Taco Bell sponsor me one day based on this story but uh, <laughs> so uh, if you've if you've ever been to Taco Bell though it's you know it's it's the perfect amount of apathy right the uh, the employees there really don't care about their job and so they don't really care what we're doing in the store so it, it, it worked out well so <laughs> um, yeah but uh, so actually uh, funny enough so we did that for about three weeks. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking and we were like, you know, man, this is, this is working. 
And so we we called up our friends at LSU, Yale, uh, Georgia Tech, and uh, several other universities in the U.S. And within within another two weeks, we had seven Taco Bells on the eastern United States where you could walk in and buy Bitcoin. <laughs> And how, and how did people get to know about you? Did you have a website for it or was it just uh, like uh, communications on, on Facebook or something like that? Oh yeah, no, this was, this was all over Craigslist and other, other like uh, ad posting platforms, local Bitcoins. It was all, it was, it was extremely sketchy. So <laughs> it was all, all over Craigslist and everything. And so, yeah, I mean, basically the, you know, the end of that network was about two and a half months afterwards. Justin and I were talking and we said, you know, man, we should probably do something less sketchy with our lives. So <laughs> that was uh, that was when we started to build yellow card for scale instead of, you know, selling Bitcoin out of, you know, Mexican fast food restaurants. Did you do something else in between? Because I also read that you were uh, doing SEO uh, consulting or something like that. Yeah, I did SEO consulting and also, I did quite a bit of writing. Uh, I love writing. I did. I did quite a bit of that. So I actually I started that in high school. I started a an online, uh, quote unquote, uh, you know, consulting company in high school doing SEO. Wow. How old were you? I was I was fifteen or sixteen. I think I was sixteen wow. when that one started. And you know, the beauty of the internet is you don't have to tell anybody your age. So. <laughs> So, you know, they don't know that they're paying a 16-year-old to, you know, optimize their website. So, yeah, I mean, I did that. I did that all throughout, pretty much all throughout uh, high school and college as well. I mean, even while I was, you know, running the, uh, the factory network and everything, I was still doing some of uh, the SEO and all on the side. But, yeah, I did that for a number of years. And then I also, I was writing for, uh, for a number of years as well, mainly around sports and, you know, sort of that international and American sports. But yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much everything that I've done. Yeah, but it's great. It sounds like you have all the skills someone needs to set up an online platform for international payments with cryptocurrencies, writing, talking, making deals. Yeah. And SEO. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there's anything that can prepare you for doing business in Africa. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess, you know, I was, I, I was as close to prepared as possible. Yeah. But why did you start it in Africa? I'm, I mean, what made you decide, let's go to Africa. You could have concentrated on the U.S. market too. There are so many unbanked people in the U.S., Yeah, you know, there definitely are, right? And, you know, when we were originally starting Yellow Card, the goal was to work in the US market. And our initial idea was to essentially put gift cards in, you know, Walmart or, you know, any other any other store like that. Very similar to what we're doing now, just in more, you know, big box retail in the US type angle. And You know, while while we were building that out, what actually happened is one day, this is now about late 2017, mid to late 2017, one day we met a man at a Wells Fargo who was sending $200 to his family in Nigeria. And Wells Fargo charged him $90 to send $200 over to his family. And so, you know, we, we pulled the guy aside and we said, you know, hey, have you heard of Bitcoin? It's free, it's instant, all that fun stuff. And well, at least it was free at the time, but, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, yeah, we talked to him about that and everything. And then, uh, you know, we went home and we started making, uh, you know, what would his family in Nigeria do 
with $200 worth of Bitcoin, right? It, it solves the middle of the problem where I can send you money, whether you're in you know Austria or Nigeria or Zimbabwe or wherever you are in the world, I can send you money. But if you're in, you know, Lagos, Nigeria, what can you practically do with that? You know, you can't buy food with it. It's not going to keep the lights on. Even in San Francisco, you'd have a hard time paying rent with Bitcoin, right? And so, you know, we started bringing these questions to Minachi, who's our, you know, CBO and partner on the Africa side. And we just essentially started asking him, you know, what is there to do with Bitcoin in Nigeria? What, what, how do people buy it? How do people sell it? What, what's the community like? All of this, right? And, uh, you know, Muna answered a lot of our questions. And then uh, I think eventually he just got tired of answering our questions. And he said, look, if you really want to build for this market, you need to come here. And so mm-hmm. about two weeks notice, uh, I bought two one-way tickets to Lagos, Nigeria, the first time I'd ever left the United States and uh, went to go start a company. So <laughs> That's great. I think it's great that he said, come to see how it is really on the ground, because Everyone can tell you stories about how it is and what the challenges are and the opportunities. But if you're not there, if you're not on the ground, it's not the same. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And, you know, I mean, I think I think that that's something that, that really cannot be understated is, I mean, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people get sort of a lot of their worldview from the news. And, you know, the news tells a very one-sided angle of the story. And I mean, to be perfectly honest, even if you're talking to somebody in another country actively and, you know, asking them a lot of questions and everything, there's still a lot that you will not understand. And there's a lot that you won't really know until you go there and visit. And uh, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I know, I know you, you mentioned, you know, being in Zimbabwe in February and everything. I'm sure you had you know, several experiences like that, where I'm sure you did a ton of homework on Zimbabwe. I'm sure you talked to a ton of people from there and you were still shocked when you got there. I know, I know I was when I got to Harare. Oh, have you also been to Harare? Yeah. 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 I spent, I spent quite a bit of time in Harare back in November and December and yeah. Oh no. I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. It was, uh, you know, Zimbabwe is, Zimbabwe is a hell of a country. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's yeah. absolutely crazy. It's such a mix of different things. Like on the one hand, you have the beautiful land, you have the open and nice people, and then you see what the last 30 years have done to this country and also the human rights situation is disastrous. And the way, you know, the the exchange rate at the moment is 1 to 50. So the Zimbabwean dollar to the US dollar has lost because in February it was 1 to 25. Now it's 1 to 50. And yesterday I heard that they are introducing new bond notes now. So the, the hyperinflation is already uh, fully running again. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that'll solve the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so you said before you're already operating in Zimbabwe. How is this possible? Because I think uh, Bitcoin is outlawed there. Yeah, so Bitcoin is not outlawed in Zimbabwe. So, I mean, you know, we're Zimbabwe, we're very actively trying to set up operations. So it's one of those countries where, you know, we're extremely interested in working there. We have some really great partners on the ground. We're able to do, you know, manual transactions. And then we're trying to figure out a way to essentially automate the process so that we can scale it within the country. So, uh, you know, we're able to serve customers in Harare, but really outside of there and outside of, you know, only certain districts in Harare 
it's it's tough because everything has to be done manually right now. And as you know, cash is so important in Zimbabwe. But yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, the landscape there is interesting, right? I mean, there were there was obviously there was Golix and uh, you know the, some some great guys there that were that were running Golix in in Zimbabwe. And then, you know, Golix was legal. Golix was fine and everything. The only issue is that the central bank didn't like it, right? And so uh, the central bank shut down their bank accounts. A court overturned the central bank's ruling. So Golix went to court against the government and won. The issue is that commercial banks in the country still will not open an account for them because even though they won the case, you know, the, the banks are not going to go against what the central bank wants, right? That's very interesting. I wanted to meet with one of the founders of Golix, but uh, it didn't work out. So I, I couldn't talk to them in person. So it's very interesting what you're telling me. Yeah? You know, the story and everything is definitely out there. And it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible, you know, what they did. They even had a Bitcoin ATM for that it exchanged for US dollars, I heard. Yes. Yeah. That, that is, that is my understanding is that, uh, you know, they had a, they had an ATM and everything in Zimbabwe as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it sounds, it sounds like, it sounds like it's, I mean, you know, even, even winning the, uh, winning the court battle, it's, it's going to be tough to, you know, get banking and everything set up in Zimbabwe when the central bank obviously does not like it. Even if it's legal, it's going to be tough to, uh, you know, get banks to go against the central bank. But how are you going to do it then? Do you need a local bank account? Who knows? <laughs> you know, it's something. It's something we're constantly working on, right? And so, I mean, you know, cash, cash is king. Cash is also difficult. Yeah. So, you know, but you know, like I said, you know, Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe is one of those countries that we're extremely interested in. And so, I, uh, you know, we're we're going to keep, you know, keep working at it, and you know, keep trying to, you know, better understand the uh, the landscape there and everything, and see what we can make happen. Yeah, I think it's definitely the one place where Bitcoin is needed the most. I mean, in general, Africa, but Zimbabwe the most, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like like you mentioned, uh, I mean, you know, the currency now is about fifty to a dollar, and I was there. It was trading from about sixteen to twenty two per dollar, yeah. and so yeah, I mean, not even not even a year ago, right? Like six months ago, and it's already up a hundred percent. Yeah. And I see you've also been to Botswana and met with Alakanani Itireleng. Alakanani Ala Alakanani is a fantastic woman. I was talking to her this morning. Yeah. So. Oh, oh, did you? Okay. We, we work, we work, uh, we work uh, closely with Alakanani in, uh, in Botswana. So yeah, while I was on, uh, while I was, uh, you know, on my, my tour of Southern Africa in the end of last year, business tour. <laughs> yeah. Botswana, Botswana was, uh, was a, a great time. I, I really enjoyed Haverone and uh, yeah, getting, getting to, uh, you know, stay with Alakamani and everything. You stayed with her. That's great. I also have been to, to Botswana and met with her and we made a Bitcoin meetup together. And it's, uh, really impressive. She's the center of like the, the Bitcoin hub of Botswana. And I think also of all the Southern African regions. I mean, what she did is amazing, really. She built this all single handedly. Yeah, she she is definitely the reason that Bitcoin is as popular as it is in Southern Africa, for sure. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's really been incredible what she's done. Just you know, just a woman with a dream. So <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> try to get this technology out to everybody. And you you started your services in Botswana now. 
Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So we are we are working in Botswana, and so you know customers are able to deposit Pula and you know buy Bitcoin, and then sell Bitcoin for Pula as well. And what's the difference between uh, Yellow Card and other exchanges, like for instance peer to peer peer to peer exchanges that are working also in Africa? Yeah, so I mean, one of the one of the main differences, and one of the things that really sets us apart from uh, you know a from any any general peer to peer exchange is that we are always taking the other side of the trade, right? And so we we manage the liquidity, we manage the pricing, and we make sure that we're always giving the best pricing with as much liquidity as needed. And so you know, there it's 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 a lot it's a lot smoother of a process. It's very fast. In Nigeria, you can buy or sell Bitcoin within the course of about five minutes, and so it's it's a it's an extremely quick process that you know allows anybody to really access this technology whenever they need it. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know that's that's what uh, that's what we're bringing to Botswana, and that's uh, you know, that's what we're uh, trying to bring across uh, across the rest of the continent as well. Is just uh, you know an extremely simple, extremely quick process. You know, load up a hundred Pula, load up a hundred Naira. You know, say, hey, I need a hundred naira worth of Bitcoin. We tell you this is how much you'll receive, and then it's in your wallet. So it's a it's a very mm. very quick, very easy process. But I read that that one doesn't need a bank account for it. So how does this work then? Yeah, no, no, no bank account required. So so you know, bank bank transfer and everything obviously is uh, accepted, and we do work with you know banks in you know Nigeria and other countries. But we also have a network of stores where you're able to walk in and deposit cash or pick up cash, right? And so, you know, we have customers mainly in Nigeria right now where you're able to visit one of these locations that we have and pay in cash to load your account. You can buy Bitcoin, et cetera. And then if you need to sell Bitcoin, you can sell Bitcoin and go pick up cash at one of these stores. Ah, okay. Is this like, it's working like Econet or M-Pesa? Yeah, the agent network would be would be similar to something like that. And so we're doing crypto exchange, right? You know, it's it's not it's not mobile money in the same way as M-Pesa, but definitely from from the agent network perspective, it works very similar. So you just said before you did a tour the Africa, and I think you also met someone very famous. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I guess for for context, I I, I stay in uh, I stay in Lagos normally in terms of Africa, and then yeah. So the end of this past year, so from September till December, I was traveling quite a bit across the continent, and you know while I was while I was still in Lagos, I had uh, I had a friend from uh, Google reach out. And said, uh, you know, hey, are you are you in Nigeria right now? I have a friend from Square who wants to wants to meet up and you know talk about Bitcoin and uh, you know understand you know Nigerian ecosystem and all of that. And I was like, oh yeah, sure, that'd be great. Uh, you know, can you just do an email intro? And he said, okay, yeah, I'll do it now. And I I, I get on and I check my email and <laughs> the uh, the intro was to Jack Dorsey. And I, I called him up and I said, man, this is not a friend at Square. You have to warn him <laughs> from me to Jack. So, yeah, so ended up, you know, ended up, ended up getting to meet up with, with Jack in Nigeria and had a, yeah, we had a great conversation and, you know, great time there talking about just sort of the, the ecosystem and all in Nigeria, Bitcoin in Nigeria, sort of the, the broader outlook of the country and everything from, from an economic standpoint. 
And uh, then Jack and I happened to be in Ethiopia at the same time as well, uh, a few weeks later. And uh, so I got to meet up with him again in Ethiopia and do the same thing focused on that country. So <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, got to got to spend, uh, <laughs> you know, good about a time with with Jack in, in during his tour across Africa. So it was, yeah, it was a, you know, it was a great time. So yeah, it's funny, and it's a cool story. And it shows how the Bitcoin space actually works, because you Uh, can get into contact with so many different people and it's like also without borders like in between people you know there is no hierarchy i mean you meet jack dorsey and she's just a friend from square <laughs> yeah you know that's that that is my favorite part about crypto people is you know even up to the highest levels it's it's still very accessible so <laughs> you know people, yeah. people are accessible the community is accessible and yeah that's I mean, I fear that in five years or in 10 years time that uh, this might not be the same, but we will see. Well, you know, we just got to enjoy it while it lasts then. So. Yeah. <laughs> Make <laughs> all the connections true. you can while you're, uh, you know, while it's, while it's young and then hold on to them. So. Yeah, that's really true because, you know, I thought about last year. Uh, last year was actually my, my travel year where I went to many Bitcoin conferences around the world. And I met with all those people. And uh, like some weeks ago, I thought to myself how great it has been that I did that last year because this year, you know, we never know when we can travel again. So without having these personal connections, it's rather difficult to, to talk with people or to, to get closer to, to the people in the space. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the beautiful things about, uh, you know, conferences and all. And so, I mean, I'm sure, I know, uh, you know, you and I did a virtual conference together and, uh, you know, I'm sure you've done a few others and it's, it's not quite the same. So. <laughs> No, it's it's also nice, and I mean the idea to travel less and to fly, fly less is is a good idea. So maybe we could have like a fifty fifty, you know, more more online conferences and less uh, traveling, but still meeting people. And I think that might be the way to go in the next years. It it, it looks like it looks like we're all going to be forced into that, unfortunately. But you know, I I definitely you know like like you said though, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think I don't think that there's uh, you know a price that can be put on actually getting to go and uh, you know shake hands and meet people in, in person at, at these events and everything. It's definitely definitely a lot different than uh, you know talking talking over WhatsApps. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's get back a little bit to the philosophy of Bitcoin. What is, in your opinion, the most important feature or characteristic of Bitcoin? Man. A difficult know, I, question. Yeah, that is a difficult one. <laughs> so, I mean, I would say, I would say that, you know, for, you know, the way that I see it, one of the most important things about Bitcoin and one of the, I mean, you know, really one of the uh, defining characteristics of the technology is its ability to exist outside of the banking system and its ability to, you know, ideally one day act as a neutral decentralized reserve for, for value. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think, I think that for, for a lot of people, uh, especially in Africa, that's already been almost the, you know, the reality, right. Dollar can be extremely difficult to access in most countries Dollar is a complete pain to handle, whether you're in the US or in any other country in the world. Dollar accounts are no fun. Bitcoin just really makes it so much easier 
to move value across the world. And, uh, you know, from there, it's just a matter of uh, being able to on and off ramp, right? And so, you know, that, that to us and that to me is, you know, one of, one of the, the really defining characteristics is this, this ability to, you know, move fluidly without the restrictions that, you know, banks put on dollar accounts and without the restrictions that banks put on, you know, movement of money. And so, you know, that's, that's where I think it becomes the job of the community to, you know, really develop those, you know, secure on and off ramps for, for this technology. Hmm. What other challenges do you see for people in Africa to use Bitcoin? Yeah, I mean, I would say one of the big ones right now is just the 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 the, the network fees. I mean, um, it's been it's I mean since since the having it's just been it's been pretty bad. I mean, I paid you know two hundred and something dollars the other day to send Bitcoin. So yeah, I mean the network fees have been I mean ridiculously high, and the problem is. I mean, you know, we have customers that'll move, you know, a couple dollars. I mean, like a dollar worth of Bitcoin, right? And the issue is, is that when they're moving a dollar worth of Bitcoin, they really can't afford uh, to, you know, pay these these higher fees. And so, I mean, we have Bitcoin that's been pending on our system, going out of the system for several days because people have put you know, very low priority when they're sending out of their wallet. And I totally understand why. The issue is, is that when you put very low priority, especially right now, it's, I mean, it's just essentially never going to confirm, right? I mean, I, I, I think that, I mean, you know, some of these transactions at, you know, low-ish priority, it could take several more weeks to confirm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's been, that's, that's definitely been, been a big hindrance that we've experienced. And I mean, you know, there's a lot of concern with that. That being said, you know, I think, I think people are resilient, people are smart, and they will figure out a way around that. I mean, so right now, you know, on our platform, you can do free and instant transfers between users of Yellow Card. And so, you know, that's one way to, you know, instantly and, you know, get that Bitcoin over to somebody else. But yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of, in terms of the network fees, that's, that's definitely something that I would, I would like to see solved, not just for Africa, but for the, the rest of the world. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess this won't be solved in a way other than when we have the Lightning Network. I mean, I think the mining difficulty has been reset today, so the mempool should be like clearer in the next days. But you're right. I mean, we will have these like uh, many unconfirmed transactions always. Like it will it will be more in the future. So I guess you're also counting on the Lightning Network for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that you know innovations and everything like Lightning have a lot of potential. The I mean, certainly you know the big the big thing with Lightning is, and I, I mean you know I know that this is this is sort of what everybody says, but the the big thing with Lightning really is the user experience. And I you know I really don't think that that can be taken for granted. User experience is so incredibly important. I mean, you know, with, you know, with, with yellow card, I mean, we deal with a lot of people who are buying their first Bitcoin, right. Or, you know, selling their first Bitcoin or, you know, have no experience in this industry before. And so it's, it's very tough for someone to, uh, you know, use something like lightning with no previous experience. Right. I mean, I have a difficult time, you know, figuring out lightning and I, you know, I've been in Bitcoin for years now, so definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely, you know, once once we can get that user experience down to down to the level where people are really able to 
utilize it and really able to you know make that make that work then yeah i i agree 100% i mean lightning lightning will definitely you know definitely solve that Mm-hmm. And how do you see the future of yellow card and also the future of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in Africa? I mean, just today, Matt Alborg has released new numbers, the Useful Tulips website about the transaction volume on peer-to-peer exchanges in Africa or in, in the world. And for the first time, Sub-Saharan African trading volume has exceeded Latin American volume. Do you see this trend at uh, Yellow Card 2? Do you have higher volumes? And what is the future going to bring? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, one, 100% we do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really not surprising if you look at what's going on in Africa, right? Uh, I mean, you know, crypto solves so many real problems that people face on the ground every day. And, uh, you know, I think one of the main reasons that these platforms have seen such a spike over the past just several months is with COVID, I mean, multiple African currencies, I can name several off the top of my head, have lost over 30% of their value in the course of just a couple of months. I mean, Zimbabwe, of course, is just, you know, (laughs) Zimbabwe, of course, is an overachiever in terms of inflation. And, uh, you know, Zimbabwe is definitely a lot higher. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, these, these other countries and everything, I mean, South Africa, you know, the, the RAND has devalued some 25, 30% against the dollar uh, just since the start of coronavirus. And so in terms of, you know, the continent moving towards Bitcoin and moving towards crypto, it just, it makes perfect sense. People need something to be able to store value in. And again, dollar can be very difficult to access in, in Africa. And so, you know, Bitcoin is a way where everybody wins, right? I mean, you know, from, from the people's perspective, they get to store their value in something that's more secure. They get to, you know, have more confidence that their money and their value is going to be protected over the course of time. And from, I mean, you know, from the government's perspective, it puts less pressure on their dollar reserves, right? You know, if, if everybody's going to Bitcoin for savings or if everybody's going to Bitcoin for making payments or anything like that, then that's that's more dollars that the government actually gets to keep in the central bank. And so yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think Bitcoin Bitcoin is uh, you know, is a, it's a net positive. It's uh it's it's you know, it's it's really a uh, you know, a beneficial technology when you look at it from the perspective of the economy in in these countries and uh, you know, ideally it goes towards bolstering the the value of some of these currencies over time. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's Very, very much room for for more people coming into the crypto space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's there is always room for for people in the crypto space. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, in Africa, even more than in Europe and in the US, but there's a lot of room. Yeah. Twenty 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 is still the early days. I'm telling you. So. <laughs> oh. It's an interesting ride, and it will be interesting for a long time. I think. Yes. Hmm. So thank you very much. I think this was a great wrap up for this interview. Please tell our listeners where they can find you and follow your work. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- thank you. Thank you, Anita. I really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, please check out uh, www.yellowcard.io. And then uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Chris Maurice. So I will put that in the show notes. Thank you very much and have a good day. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anita. I really appreciate it. 
That's it for today. I hope you'll join me again next week. If you like my show, please write a recommendation in your favorite podcast player. If you're a German speaker and want to start using Bitcoin, then I recommend my book to you. It gives a comprehensive jumpstart into becoming a Bitcoin user with recommendations and safety tips. You can buy it on Amazon or if you prefer to pay with Bitcoin or Lightning, drop me a message at hello at anitaposch.com. I'm currently looking for new sponsors for my podcast, so please feel free to send me a message too. For new updates, please follow me on Twitter at Anita Posch and subscribe to my newsletter at anitaposch.com forward slash newsletter. Thank you for listening. Music, start with yes, delicate beats. Idea, content and production, yours truly, Anita Posch. <laughs>